Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. Good morning, everyone. How are we doing this morning? Awesome. Well, just introduce myself in case we haven't had the chance to meet yet. My name's Colin, and I'm the youth coordinator here at Crosspoint. Uh, before I get to what we're going to be talking about today, I just wanted to do a little bit of a side note. Um, uh, one of the things that I wanted to announce uh, to you guys today is that this week, lo- uh, youth is going to be relaunching. So if you're here and you're in youth, I want to let you know we're going to be starting up this week. And parents, I want to let you know that you're going to be getting an email first thing tomorrow morning with all the information that you're going to need regarding our youth ministry. We have a lot of fun things planned for this semester, so definitely don't want you to miss out on that. If you are here and you're a youth or you're a parent of a youth and uh, you aren't receiving our emails quite yet, I'd love to be able to connect with you. So definitely come talk to me after the gathering and we'll get you set up that way. So, yeah, so like this morning, I'm very thankful to be able to share with you guys again Uh, Rob asked me to speak a couple of months ago, so I've had some time to think and to process about what I wanted to talk about this morning. And uh, normally when I've spoken before, I've just jumped into the King's Tale, uh, going through the Gospel of Luke, and uh, I got to pick my own topic and uh, go with that. So um, I had been praying and just kind of discerning. I'm like, God, like what what should I share with Crosspoint this morning? And uh, there, I I just thought, you know, essentially, I just kind of wanted to share what God has been. Uh, just speaking to me about in my life, things that I've been learning about and studying for for myself in my own time. And um, basically what I wanted to talk about today is what does it mean to live like a Christian in the world that isn't so Christian? What does it mean as a Christian to be able to engage culture? Um, With that being said, you know, I I thought, you know, when it comes to engaging culture, I'm kind of curious as to how the world perceives Christians. I know there's a lot of stuff that you see on TV, you know, there's stuff that you see in the movies, but, you know, I wanted, within my own network of people that I know, I was just curious of what people had to say. So I decided to put together a bit of a survey on Facebook, and I posted that uh, on Monday, and there was a couple of you that actually took the time to share that, and I really appreciated it, because I really appreciated some of the feedback that I got. Um, essentially, the purpose of the survey, I just wanted to see, like, how people would define a Christian, what they thought the purpose of a Christian was. And I asked questions such as, what do you think they're for? What do you think they're against? And like I said, the responses were pretty interesting. I actually got one first thing this morning, and I checked it, and the first word that was written was hypocrite. So I thought that was kind of interesting. But there were some other positive responses that I got. Um, I I, uh, got a response saying Christians were known to be loving, supportive, and generous. Uh, Christians were described as someone who makes disciples. Uh, Christians were described as people that believe in the Trinity. Um, Christians were seen as people that were broken and experienced God's grace. Uh, There was a response by someone who said that they were an atheist, and they said they've overall had some pretty good experiences with Christians, that overall they've been pretty kind and generous and caring. But when they answered the question, what do you think the purpose of a Christian is, they had voiced that they have no idea. But like I said, the results were very interesting, and I saw, you know, results that showed how Christians viewed themselves, I saw answers that were a little bit more theological. You could tell who the Bible college students were answer, <laughs> answering those questions. And I saw, you know, some people that responded about how they believed Christians should act. But one thing that I found really interesting, however, 
out of all the responses that I received, there was about 16 of them, out of all the answers that I got, there was a word that was never mentioned once. There was an attribute of Christians that wasn't, wasn't mentioned at all, and that word was holy. Holiness. You know, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands this morning, but I'm sure if I were to, you know, ask us as a group, how many of us would consider ourselves holy, including myself, I don't know how many of us would feel comfortable putting up our hands. Because the word holy has lots of different connotations for people. You know, for when you think of the word holy, maybe you think of like a priest or a religious leader of some sort. Maybe you're thinking of a place, like a geographical location, maybe the Holy Land. Or maybe you might think of legalism, and it just sounds like a really religious word. I don't know what it means for you, but holiness is something that Scripture actually calls us to. In Scripture, we are declared holy, but we are also called to be holy. To give a brief de uh, definition of holiness, this is a really simple one in the context of what we're talking about here. Holiness means to be set apart, to be different than the world, to be more like Christ. So today we're going to be talking about holiness. You know, if you're taking notes this morning in the bulletin, um, the big idea that I want to share with you is really simple. It's two words. Be holy. Be holy. And to expand on that, what we're going to do is we're going to look at a passage found in 1 Peter, uh, specifically 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up your Bibles to that. Uh, if you want, you can check in the bulletin notes. We have it written in there. And then we're also going to have it up on the screen as well, so you can follow along. So 1 Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from the sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Let's pray together. Uh, God, we just thank you that you are holy. God, that you are set apart. And God, we just, uh, as we live our Christian lives, as, uh, as we learn what it means to live in the world, God, I pray that we just learn what it means to be holy, to live holy. And God, as I speak today, I pray that you just speak to our hearts and that our hearts are receptive to what you have to say to us this morning. And we just pray this in your name. Amen. So to give you a little bit of backstory about the passage that I just read, this uh, passage was a small part of a bigger letter written by a guy named Peter. Uh, Peter, he was one of the 12 disciples, and he was originally uh, writing to Gentile Christians that were scattered all over Asia Minor. That would be modern-day Turkey. And if you're new to church, a Gentile just simply means someone that's not Jewish, a non-Jewish person. And these Christians, they were experiencing persecution. Uh, because of their faith, they were being mistreated, they were being accused of doing wrong. They were seen as social outcasts because of their newfound dedication to Christ. And Peter, he's wanting to encourage these Christians who lived in a society that did not uphold Christian values, in a place where Christians were viewed as bigots, narrow-minded, unfit for society. Sound kind of familiar? To be holy. And Peter, he's encouraging these Christians that their suffering and their persecution is actually clarifying their calling. It's making them more like Christ, who himself, he experienced suffering. He experienced betrayal, persecution, hate, and ridicule. Yet Christ lived an example of holiness in the midst of all those things. You know, there's a lot that Peter has to say throughout this entire letter. But I want to point out three encouragement that, 
encouragements that Peter gives to these Christians that we can actually live out today. And these encouragements lead us to be holy. The first encouragement is this. Uh, Peter encourages the Christians to remember. Looking at the beginning of verse 11 that we just read, he said, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles. You know, this is an important statement because he's reminding them about their identity. He's reminding that these Christians, or reminding these Christians rather, that they are foreigners and that they are exiles. He's not only giving insight into their geographic and social circumstance, but he's actually giving insight into their spiritual identity. Because the reality for these Christians and the reality for Christians today is that earth is not our home. Earth is not their home. You know, although that they're presently, they were presently living here on earth, their citizenship was no longer here. It was no longer within the worldly systems and structures, but rather it was in heaven. And they were members of this new kingdom, the kingdom of God, and that is what made them holy. You know, when we read the text just a couple verses before, Peter reinforces this identity even more for them. He says in verse 9, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Because the reality is, is these Christians, they were caught up in a story that was so much bigger than themselves. They were grafted into God's salvation plan to be God's chosen people. And this is because of what Christ did on the cross. Uh, these Christians, they once lived in ignorance, they once lived in sin and darkness, and they were called out of that darkness. And this was not based on their own performance, it was not based on their own works, but it's because God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. You know, Jesus, he came and he lived this perfect life, he died this brutal death, he rose again, and he did this to launch God's rescue mission for the world. And because of the work that Jesus did, they were made holy. They were once in darkness, and then they were brought into the light. I know this is the story of many of us this morning. You know, maybe, you know, we were once lost, maybe caught in some sort of an addiction, living in darkness. We were broken, trapped in some sort of sin. Our lives lacked purpose. But Jesus entered the story of our lives, and we entered the narrative of his. Because of what Jesus did, we are made holy, and that's what we call positional holiness. So Peter, he's encouraging these Christians to remember their identity of holiness. Uh, just as Sandy spoke last week, she did an amazing job talking about her calling to prayer. Uh, one of the things that I really enjoyed that she talked about is how important it is for us to know our identity. Because when we understand the implications of Christ's death and resurrection, how the veil was torn, signifying separation from God being removed, that when we put our trust in Christ, we become sons and daughters of God. You know, we're no longer defined by our sins, our shame, our mistakes, our past, our mishaps, or our brokenness. We are now part of a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And this changes the way we view ourselves. It changes how we view God, and hopefully, it changes the way that we view the world as well. So being holy starts with remembering that we were made holy. The second encouragement that Peter gives in this letter is to refrain. You can write that one down if you want. So Peter, he instructs them to abstain from sinful desires which war against their soul. You know, he says the church should rid itself of any malice, deceit, hypocrisy, evil, slander, sexual immorality, 
and refraining from sin, that's a, uh, an aspect of practical holiness. This is how we can live out holiness. And it's a way that we can show that we're different from the rest of the world. You know, Peter, he calls the church not to live how they used to live when they were in ignorance, but to live out the identity that he just spent so much time reminding them of. You know, refraining from these things are very important because the problem with sin is that not only does it lead to destruction, but it distorts what it means to be truly human. Because true humanity is about living holy, living in the image of God, something that we call the Imago Dei. And sin ultimately destroys how we relate to God and how we relate to others. You know, refraining from those sins is not only about us living with integrity, but about living how we were created to live, how we were intended to live as holy people. You know, sometimes a student, you know, they might ask me at youth, they might be like, hey, Colin, why shouldn't I sleep with my girlfriend before marriage? Or why shouldn't I be watching porn? Or why shouldn't I be getting drunk with my friends on the weekends? It's always interesting having those kind of conversations. But just coming up with an answer like, oh, because the Bible says so, seems a little cheap and a little easy, just to, just to throw that out there. But rather, I got to explain that God wants us to live out how we were designed to live. You know, to take even further, it's not about calling them out, but about calling them up. You know, I get to share with them that they're actually a part of something bigger. The reason is because they get to display to the rest of the world what true humanity actually looks like. For, you know, their original vocation to be restored. In the Christian walk, we, you know, we are saying no to things because we are saying yes to some better things. Uh, Kelly and I, were starting a, a food cleanse in the next couple weeks. And it requires us to say no to a lot of things that we like to eat. Um, like you've heard me speak before, I love a good cheeseburger. I love pizza. Last night, we watched the Oilers lose while eating some boneless wings that we got from uh, Loblaws. Those were delicious. But the thing with a lot of these uh, foods and stuff, though, is that, like, I mean, you can't be eating it all the time. And I mean, like... Uh, you, you just can't last eating that stuff all the time. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to be eating some healthier foods. We're going to be taking some cleanse products. And it sounds like we're punishing ourselves. But the reason we're doing it is because we know that it's going to bring about a better quality of life. You know, we'll be able to hopefully sleep better, have more mental clarity, more energy. We'll be able to steward well the bodies God has given us. And I know what you're thinking. This is like typical new year, new me, new year's resolution stuff. But I give you full permission that you can keep us accountable to make sure that we actually follow through with this thing. But ultimately, there's things in life that may seem good, they may seem pleasurable, but we say no to them because we're saying yes to something better. When it comes to refraining from sinful desires, things that war against our soul, this is a part of practical holiness. However, abstaining is not the only important part about holiness. I think sometimes we define holiness just by abstaining. You know, sometimes Christians, we can be so focused on what we're against we actually forget what we're actually for. Early in elementary school, my family, we didn't initially go to church right away. That was something that happened later on in our life. But I did have some Christian friends, kids that went, or friends that went to church and stuff. And one of the things that stood out to me is I knew that they were against a lot of things. Um, whether it be like Harry Potter, Pokemon, secular music, things that I really enjoyed. Um, I didn't understand why at the time, though. And uh, I so often saw what they were against, but... I lost sight of what they were actually for. You know, as I got older, I noticed there were some Christian communities, um, more than just abstaining from sin, there was this sense of avoiding culture altogether, isolating from culture. Like this tendency to create a culture that's safely sheltered from the world, safe and fun for the whole family. But something didn't seem right about this, because the more that I understood the gospel message, the more that I knew it was about reaching the lost, how can we reach the lost if we're just running away? 
there's a bottom line that I want to share with us this morning, and you can write this down as well. Holiness is not about preservation, but it's about transformation. I'm going to expand on this uh, as I go through the third encouragement that Peter gives. So the third encouragement that Peter gives to the Christians is to respond. Uh, Peter instructs the Christians in the letter, he says, live such good lives among the pagans. Now, I'm going to say, I'm going to suggest that you don't go start telling people that aren't Christians that they're a bunch of pagans. Like, there's some negativity around that term. But just think about people that just aren't Christians, people that are unbelieving uh, people. And we are called to live good lives among them. Living good lives is another form of being holy. That's another part of practical holiness. And Peter calls the church, he calls them to refrain from certain activities, but now he's actually calling them to respond. Not to refrain from culture, but to be an active agent in culture. You know, Peter, in the letter, he gives instructions to, uh, to the Christians on how they can live holy lives, and we don't have time to go through all of them. But he talks about submitting to government authority, how husbands should treat their wives, how wives should treat their husbands. Peter talks about Christians, how we should respect all people, and we, can, and we should show love to other members of the body of Christ. We should be known for showing care, sympathy, hospitality, and service. Expressing radical generosity and putting other people first. Even when experiencing suffering. And these are the ways to live according to the kingdom. According to the kingdom of God. And the reason that they are called to do this is not to earn favor with God, but in response to the favor favor that they've already received. To live out their new identity as members of God's kingdom. And this is all done, like Peter said, so that others may see their good works in hopes that they may glorify God on the day of his return as well. You know, Peter, he's encouraging them that their holy living can actually make an impact on the people around them. It's not just about preservation, it's about transformation. Ultimately, he's calling them to live like Jesus. You know, to be like Jesus is what it means to be truly human. Um, Their lives to display the restored image of God, the Imago Dei, like I said before. That not only they remember their holiness, not only they abstain from sin, but they display a life that's so radically different from what the world has to offer. And since we are declared holy, we are called to be holy. And that involves living holy lives amongst unbelieving people. You know, in church history, there have been different views about how Christians should be involved in the world. Uh, There was a series that I really enjoyed uh, when I was younger. It was called Left Behind. I'm sure some of you have heard it before. But essentially, it was a certain interpretation of the end times where the Christians would get raptured away, and then the world was left for judgment. And, I mean, it was a really fascinating story. But I found sometimes with that perspective, not always, but sometimes there could almost be a form of escapist mentality. You know, let's keep ourselves safe because the world's going to hell in a handbasket. There's no sense of changing the floorboards on the Titanic. You know, it's all going to crap anyways. Let's just isolate from the world. Let's keep each other safe and let's just hope Jesus comes back soon. Rather than trying to transform culture, there's a tendency to preserve our own Christian subculture. You know, rather than living among those that are in the world, there's a tendency to be retreating from the world. And this is done out of fear. And Peter makes it clear that Christians are called to live among unbelievers, not retreat from them. You know, our lives, they should not, or they should merely display what we, not what, sorry. Our lives should not merely just display what we are against, but also what we are for. You know, when we follow Christ, our holiness displays that we are for people. We're for restoration of families, restoration of communities, caring for the poor, feeding the hungry, 
standing up for the marginalized, and seeking justice for the oppressed. Holiness is not about staying safe until Jesus returns. Holiness is not about preservation, but it's about transformation. And here's the reality. We, you know, when we choose to follow Jesus, we are sometimes called to love and serve in places that are not always safe. We are called to be God's ambassadors for the kingdom and a world that needs hope. Holiness, it's lived out by being a light in our homes, in our workplaces, our schools, and our communities. Holiness is not something that just takes place on Sundays. Holiness is who we are. It's who you are. We are declared, declared holy, and we are called to live holy. So be holy. You know, if you've been here at Crosspoint with us for a while, you hear us say this every single Sunday. You are the people of God, called by God, to be on his redemptive mission in the world. When we do this, we are being more like Jesus. Because Jesus, he came into this broken world. He knew his identity, he refrained from sin, and he responded to the world's brokenness by showing love, sacrifice, and service. He taught about what it means to be truly human, how to live according to the kingdom, and that's where our hope is. You know, the hope of the Christian life is not just about going to heaven, but it's about getting heaven into us. We have to remember that we can't fix ourselves, we can't be the heroes for our own story. In our own brokenness, we need to experience the power of God's spirit ourselves. You know, I, you know, for myself, I know my own flaws, I know my own tendencies, I know my own brokenness all too well. And to be holy in the world, sometimes it seems way too overwhelming, way over my head. But I know I need to rely on the one that's completely holy. You know, in order for us to be effective in this calling, we need to be connected to the source. And the freeing truth, however, is that, you know, in, in our own mistakes, in our own brokenness, God chooses to use us not because of us, but in spite of us. You know, I truly believe that we can make an impact in the world, not by isolating from it, but by actively engaging in it. Living lives that are not driven by fear of culture, but by driven by love for people. There was a story that I read about a woman not too long ago, and this story really struck me. And I saw this, how this woman, she lived a life of holiness. It wasn't a life out of pre preservation or fear, but one of transformation and love living out the image of God in one of the darkest of places. Her name was Mother Antonia Brenner. Uh, she was a Catholic nun that dedicated her life to prison ministry. After being, uh, she was not no longer able to serve in the Roman Catholic Church because she had two divorces. So she decided to go and serve in a really uh, intense uh, prison ministry located in Tijuana. The prison was called La Mesa Prison. Uh, she served there for over 30 years. And this prison, it contained some of the worst of criminals murderers, rapists, and drug lords. Mother Antonia, she loved and she cared for these inmates. And initially, she did what she could just to meet their basic needs. So she helped provide medicine, food, clothing, and water. Over the years of service, she built trust with these inmates. She worked with these inmates to seek um, reconciliation with their family members, to seek repentance for the things that they had done in their life. She prayed with them. She counseled them. She shared the truth of Christ with them. The amazing thing about Mother Antonia is that she actually never left the prison. So when a lot of the other staff, they would go home and they'd go home and uh, sleep there at night, she actually had her own cell. And she wasn't actually a prisoner. She just wanted to live with the prisoners. She deeply cared for these inmates. And these inmates, they came to love her so much, they called her mama. And they called them, or she called them her sons. In 2008, there was this riot that broke out. There was mass chaos in the prison due to inmates not getting some of their basic needs met. They had a bunch of guns, they had smoke grenades, it was absolute chaos. 
the guards of the prison, they weren't sure what to do, and the prison was uh, surrounded by soldiers, and they were just trying to decide what is the best next course of action. Mother Antonia, she was not there when this initially went down, so when she returned to the prison, she was absolutely heartbroken by what she had saw happening in the prison. So Mother Antonia, uh, she begged the guards to let her go inside. She was 85 years old at the time. And the soldiers, they're thinking, like, there's no way we're going to let this lady go in. But she was persistent. Mother Antonia, she said, let me go inside. I can get them to stop. I am not afraid. Eventually, she convinced them to let her in, and she did. And she went into the chaos of the riot. It was at nighttime. All the power was out, so it was completely dark. And in the middle of the night, she, uh, she went in, and she went and found a prisoner that she knew quite well named Blackie. She begged him to end the riot. She said it wasn't right for them to not get their basic needs met. But she said this is not the way that you should try to resolve this problem. She's like, throw away your guns, and we'll make sure that you get your needs met. She pleaded for the violence to stop. And then Blackie, he looked at her and he said immediately after, Mama, as soon as we heard your voice, we threw our guns out the window. Mother Antonia, she lived out a life of holiness. She lived a life that was not about preservation, but it was about transformation. It was not about, it, you know, it was not her own power that got the chaos to stop, but it was a surrendered life to Christ and living out the love that she experienced with Jesus. So Crosspoint, like I said, holiness is not about preservation, but it's about transformation. You know, Peter, he called the disciples to respond, and I believe that we are being called to respond as well, to be holy. But what does that look like for us? Uh, Crosspoint, what does it look like to actually be holy in our everyday lives? I know many of you are in school. I'm finishing up school as well. Some of you are committed to your local community league. Some of you are into the sciences. Some of you are into the arts. Some of you are involved in government. And some of you are involved in social agencies. I want to charge us as Crosspoint, wherever you are, be who you are. Wherever you are, be holy. In our schools, be holy. In our marriages, be holy. In our communities and in our workplaces, be holy. Holiness just isn't for Sundays or religious activities. Holiness is about who we are. You know, maybe uh, today it's taking time to remember. You know, you've lived your life believing that you aren't good enough for God, that God couldn't possibly use you because of your past or things that you've struggled with. Remember, because of what Christ did, you were made holy. And God uses us not because of us, but in spite of us. Maybe it's taking time to refrain. Maybe there's some tendencies, there's some habits in your life that you want to work through. I want to let you know that Crosspoint is such a safe place. It's okay to not be okay here. It's okay to be wrestling through those things. And we're willing to journey with you through them. And we will love you through it. Maybe it's taking time to respond. Maybe it's showing generosity to someone that you know that needs it. Maybe it's showing kindness to someone you know who is often overlooked. Maybe it's stepping outside of your comfort zone and allowing love to be the driving force of your life and not fear. Maybe it's sharing the truth of the gospel with someone that you know and love. Or maybe it's responding to the gospel for the very first time, inviting Christ into your life, asking for your sins to be forgiven and for him to be the Lord of your life. At the end of the day, God knows you better than you know yourself. So I encourage you uh, to ask him as we enter a time of worship together again. God, how can I live out this calling of holiness in my life? Wherever you are, be holy. Let's pray together.
God, we thank you again that you are holy. And I want to thank you for what Jesus did on the cross and how that makes us holy. God, this world is hurting, it's broken, it's lost, and it's confused. May our lives resemble hope, love, and the truth of your word. Help us to be people that are on mission, showing the love that you have for them. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, uh, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.